0: Hey there, entrepreneur, and welcome to today's episode. First and foremost, happy holidays, everyone. No matter what you celebrate, we hope you are enjoying this holiday season. And as part of that season, we are giving you multiple gifts with our episodes. We have some amazing guests coming up in the month of December. We have today's is the gift of a thriving workplace, we have the gift of breath and balance and fun. And failure and triumph. We have some really incredible guests this week. So please don't forget to mark your calendar. But for right now, I am jumping in with the incredible Leslie McIntyre Tavella. Let's go. <laughs> Hey there, entrepreneurs, and welcome to today's show. Do we have a timely guest for you or what? Oh my goodness. I am so excited for this conversation. I am welcoming Leslie McIntyre-Tavella onto the show today. Leslie's devoted her entire career to building and strengthening businesses and creating environments, wait for it folks, where talented people can excel, which I absolutely love. She is the president and CEO of Culpio HR, which was created to help business leaders build best in class organizations. And I'm actually going through this book right now, folks, and you should be too. She is the author of the book, Framing Success, 20 Essential Lessons for Achieving Entrepreneurial Greatness from a Self-Made Multimillionaire. millionaire So Leslie, thank you so much for coming today.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Thank you for that lovely
0: introduction. Yeah, you're welcome. I was looking through all of your things and I was like, what should I put in the bio versus what should she tell us? Because there's <laughs> so many amazing things in your background. I mean, especially, you know, you founded your first company about 30 years ago, you said, and you've had all sorts of accolades. So let's just jump in. Give us your journey of entrepreneurship up until today.
1: Sure. So it's really been a wonderful journey. And I always tell people, there's always a little bit of luck involved in everything that you do, or at least for me, there certainly has been. So, um, I was not afforded the opportunity to go to college. And so I kind of jumped right into the workforce when I was very, very young and I had a wonderful mentor who uh, brought me through um, to several promotions at a communications company in Norwalk, Connecticut. And uh, again, really, really lucky. He guided me. He saw some, you know, great potential apparently in me when I was very, very young. And then I had the opportunity to go meet my second mentor, which was the owner of a staffing company in Stamford, Connecticut. And uh, again, by pure luck, the person I was supposed to meet with happened to be out sick. And so the owner stepped in to interview me that day. Nice. Um, I was actually interviewing for a position I thought on site, ironically, it was, you know, this staffing firm representing a client. And I was actually interviewing for a client. However, <laughs> the owner of the staffing firm said to me, I really would love it if you would come work for me. Again, wonderful opportunity. I was probably about, you know, 19 years old. Um, I said, wow, that's great. And I mentored under this wonderful woman entrepreneur for about three or four years. And she taught me everything. um, I knew, you know, I, I knew at that time, uh, about the staffing industry and it was just a wonderful relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. she really brought me into the business and it made me realize how much I loved, uh, entrepreneurship. Um, you know, again, the opportunity to be a woman entrepreneur and to run my own business and I loved the staffing business and so at 22 years old I opened up my own company and uh, really just had a remarkable remarkable journey with some tremendous people helping me run
0: and build my business yeah so at 22 22- 22 friends 22. just want to press and share that right and I love <laughs> I love the fact that you said like I didn't I didn't go to college like we've had so many guests on here that you know didn't have kind of traditional paths and I would prefer yes. you know I, I kind of like that about them not that I prefer but it's kind of makes it exciting um, so what would you think like so you're starting at 22 when did all those really cool accolades come for you my friend because you <laughs> won like 11th for women-owned business in the country and all of these certain things so tell us about that period
1: we did. Sure. Well, it happened over, you know, many different times um, in the business. We started out again, very small. Um, again, it was me, myself and I, that's who <laughs> I like to say was working for the firm. Good staff, good and staff. Uh, again, I look back and I think, wow, that was just so crazy back that, you know, we would, I would make a few placements, I would run the payroll. It was really very funny, but um, it teaches you, a, you know, great resilience and you become very scrappy and you learn to work with what you have. And I think yes. that that's a, a necessity for entrepreneurs Because all entrepreneurs are faced with that at one point or another. And so then we started to build the business. And as the business grew and as we became better and better and our reputation flourished, we were able to hire better and better people. And I always put the value of my people first. I knew that I was not the smartest person. I always hired for my weaknesses. This is really something that's so important. You have to really know what you're great at. And then you have to know what you're not so great at. And so hiring for your weaknesses is critical. I hired incredible people and surrounded myself with these people and they helped me build this business and they helped us achieve, you know, these great markers of, you know, uh, number one best owned business, you know, in Fairfield County or in in Connecticut. I can't really even remember. I think it was Connecticut Um, and, you know, 11th uh, woman entrepreneur. They really they were a result of that. You know, you're not alone when you run a business. It really is about the team that you build around you and that you work with.
0: Yeah. I mean, what a different mentality than kind of the traditional though, right? When you think about it, kind of that, that top down, I am the one who knows all of the things and you will do it. You will do it. My request kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas I come, I am a hundred percent in agreement with you that it is impossible for us to know everything. So, but Absolutely. one question for you in regards to this, cause it's actually something I was debating going back and forth with someone yesterday on is will versus skill when it comes to hiring the people around you. Right. So meaning, you know, you know what I mean, but for those at home, you know, do they come in with a technical acumen? Do they have the, the great resume, resume versus really that will and that drive to build something with you, especially if Absolutely. you're an entrepreneur. Absolutely.
1: So when I hired, I had a very unconventional way to interview people. And of course, I was very, very lucky as we grew, I had a team of people that would help me meet, you know, certain markers in our interviewing process. And, but I was the one who would interview completely on soft skills. I didn't care if you went to college. I didn't care where you went to college. And I didn't necessarily care what your background was. What I really cared about was what your upbringing was like, your your mom and dad, how you were raised, what kind of an environment you thrived in, and you know, again, we never got into anything personal that you know where we couldn't touch on those areas. But um, I'll never forget I interviewed a gal years ago who actually was raised on a farm, and so her family business was farming, and she got up probably starting seven to eight years old at five in the morning and worked on the farm. And her work ethic was absolutely incredible. Yeah. So I knew what kind of an environment she was going to be suited for because right. of her background. And I think you know, the cultural fit and the alignment of someone is really, really important in your company. And, and this is something that I, I think you know we're starting to see a lot of now where um, you know, companies kind of say, Say one thing, or they've been saying one thing, but you know now that we've had this disruption, I think that things are not quite as you know as they had hoped. I think things yeah. are falling apart a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's wonderful what you were just saying around your your interview questions, right? And I think people do get scared to go there with they in do. an interview they because, do. because of like you just mentioned, like those hot button topics. Don't cross this line. Don't cross that line. Correct. However, like what you said, there was somebody I was talking to recently. Who said, you know, they wanted to go after funding, right? For a company, mm-hmm. but you know, they'd been through so much stuff and you know, financial ups and downs and all this other stuff. And somebody else in the room looked at them and said, No, that's why they will fund you. Like mm-hmm. you're thinking that's why they won't, but that's actually why they will, because they mm-hmm. know that you're capable of going through the fire. They know what your work ethic is, you Absolutely. know. And also that person on the other end of the table from you must have felt seen and heard just in that interview alone let alone being led by you if you hired them right absolutely absolutely and that's what it's about it's it's never going
1: into the you know asking those questions because you're you know you're looking for something to not you know to either hold against them or not yeah. use or it's it's literally about making sure that you're putting the per, the person in the environment where they can thrive yeah. you know young people today really want to get behind a brand and they, they want to work for a company that has a mission. Um, You know, we talk about this a lot in my office. Um, You know, back in my day, I would say to someone, well, what do you do? Young people today say, where do you work? So it's a very different mindset. mindset Now they really want to be a part of that brand. They want to talk with their friends about that brand and they want that social influence. And so it's really, really different. And, and that's what they're looking for. You have to get that right culture fit. It's just, it's critical.
0: Yeah. It's almost like, I mean, I think you, you call it behind the brand almost. I think that's kind of a similar behind the brand brand behind the brand. Yes. Yes. Um, or whisper brand, you know, all of those kinds of things. Right. So, I mean, this is a kind of good segue for us to jump into you. You call them MVPs in your book. So please tell everybody what it means because like you alluded to huge, huge thing to know right now, folks.
1: (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. So the MVPs are mission value and purpose. Um, And this is the way I would like small entrepreneurs to look at their businesses when they're building a strong foundation. Um, I I want them to think about what the mission of the company is. I, I would like them to create a set of values. That they absolutely 100% of the time will stand by, and I want them to be able to articulate the purpose of the company. Um, and again, these things are so important because they can't be um, they can't be uh, aspirational. You know, we you really have to nail these things down because if you don't know these things about your business, then how are you going to be able to articulate them to all of the people that are working within your business? And how are you going to be able to get everyone to understand? understand, you know, this is the mission and this is what we're trying to achieve here. And these are the values by which we want to live and hire and fire by. And this is the purpose. You know, this is our purpose and this is our greater purpose and what we're trying to, to do. And so I think it's really important. Ironically, if you ask almost any business owner, what their values are, or even managers. Um, They don't have to be entrepreneurs or business owners. I would probably tell you about eight out of 10 of the people cannot even recite the values. And that's unfortunate because again, they can't just be something that you're putting up on a wall or you're using in a pamphlet or you're, you're putting on your website. They really have to be infused into your culture every single day. And you have to really live by them. And the moment you don't, and the, you know, the moment you make an exception, then you've basically said to your entire team of people, you know, you know, it's, it's okay if we, you know, if we break them or we modify them for this one thing and and you, and you can't do that. You have to be aligned and you have to stay true to those values.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I like the the inching away, right. Um, Right. You know, value creep, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, But in, in regards to kind of our solopreneurs out there too, they need to figure this out too. Right. I mean, it's not just companies. I think oftentimes people will talk about, especially in the example that you just gave about like what's on the wall. Right. I hear that a lot from people. Like, do we actually live by what's on the wall, you know, or do we have a deeper tie to our employees? Because I would venture a guess that people are, are um, maintaining employees because of the reasons that you just said, because there is more to it than just the paycheck, nowadays, right? Do you think that's the reason why people are kind of leaving versus, you know, the great resignation and all that stuff?
1: I do. I do. I think one of the big reasons why a lot of people are leaving is because, you know, they really have had a peek behind the curtain now. So a lot of these companies say all of these things and, you know, this is what we believe and this is what we do and this is how we treat our people. But let's face it now in the past year and a half, you know, Boy, the chips are down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we all know how companies, you know, and what companies had to go through. And and I understand that there absolutely had to be a learning curve. Right. Um, and I sit myself on a board with, you know, 13 other uh, business executives and, and presidents and owners who have, you know, had a really miserable past two years. Yeah. So we get it. Everyone has been challenged. But, you know, the most important thing that leaders can do when there are times of adversity is you have to get in front of it with your message. And you have to over, perhaps, communicate your message. Your people want to hear from you. They need to hear from you. They want to uh, they want to talk to you. They want to be able to, you know, have a conversation. You know, if they need to come to you, they want to know that you have an open door. And, and more importantly, you need to really be sure that you're thinking about your employees. You know, did you put your employees first? Did you consider their well, their wellness and their well-being? And a lot of companies didn't. And that's why I think we're having, you know, this, this tsunami of, of people resigning from their companies. It's a mixed bag of tricks. Yes, Obviously of it's not of all of that. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the big reasons I think company, you know, I think employees are now saying, um, wow, my company really did not care about me or stand by me or even ask about me. Yeah. And yeah. that's a problem.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, just asking, right. It's not, Cause I, yeah. I always, I think you and I may have talked about this before. Like I can always hear the the responses, right. From, from certain, from certain people in my life around, well, I can't pay attention to everyone and, you know, especially <laughs> as entrepreneurs scale, right. And their yeah. companies scale. And now the, the, the people who used to be on the ground floor are now five feet up or five floors up, yeah. you know, how are you recommending people do stay in touch? I mean, for me, I don't feel like it's that hard. It's a matter of just kind of asking, how are you and meaning it? Um, but you it's tell true. me,
1: <laughs> I will tell you one of the greatest mistakes of my career, which still to this day, I think about it. Um, and you mentioned it slightly, which is, you know, he who uh, speaks the loudest gets the most attention. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that tends that tends to happen in a company Um, you tend to get some people that are more assertive or feel like they have um, you know they have a line to you you know um, in front of other people and so what happens is you neglect some people just because they're simply wonderful and quiet and don't need that much attention and so I lost one of the best employees I ever had who had been with my firm for 17 years because it was always a you know we'll get we'll get get to him and we'll have a conversation with him and we'll have a meeting with him and he remained very happily and quietly working away until one day he went and worked somewhere else and so what I immediately realized was number one that was a huge mistake on my part what a miss what a what an opportunity I missed and lost such a valuable asset Um, you know, such a contributor at my company. But then I looked back and said, okay, how can we prevent that from ever happening again? And what you need to do is you need to, you know, maybe you have an open door, maybe that works. Sometimes that gets very difficult as you scale the business. So you need to have consistent checkpoints with each of your employees, where you just have, again, you set them up, make calendar invites have your assistant do them whatever it takes and you simply sit down for you know 15 minutes 30 minutes every quarter you know bi-monthly whatever works for you and you just ask your employees how they're doing. Yes. What do they need? Is there anything that they're lacking? They're missing? Is there something that they would like to be doing that they're not? Are they getting, you know, the proper training? Would they like to elevate? These are all the things that will prevent you potentially from losing a really valuable employee. You need to just sit down and ask these very basic questions to keep them engaged and excited about working in your company.
0: Yeah. I mean, and like you said, it's, it's the structure of it, right? Absolutely. Conversation recently with a CEO who is, who is scaling and she couldn't figure out why her employees, as they were rap, I mean, rapidly scaling, um, weren't performing. And I said, well, did you change the, the way that you interact with them as you're changing the company? And that's exactly what we walked her through was, okay, now here's your open door hours and here's, so that it was predictability on the employee's standpoint. So say they that that way they're not walking in your office every five seconds for one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also they know that they have a place and a time. Um, And then I would assume you would agree that it's then keeping that time number one and with that you have with the employee on the calendar, and then it's becomes focused time with that employee too, not multitasking time, which I think a lot of people fall victim to. No.
1: I have to be honest with you, there's there's some really basic mistakes that managers and leaders make that they really have to understand. Number one, you can't ever say to someone, I'm busy. You know, if someone comes to you with an issue, you can't you can't give that back to them. Even if you are busy, you have to say, you know, thank you. I absolutely would love to speak with you. I just have one issue that I need to handle. May we meet at X or yes. you know, whatever it is, but yeah, you can't redirect. put your hand up and say I'm busy because yes. that basically says to them, you're not important, I'm not interested. And, and that sends, and, and of course we know that you're most likely not trying to say that, but, but that is how someone might receive it. Yeah. For, second of all, you really should try to not have a meeting Uh, in your office, if you're going to be distracted with technology. I always took my phone, I put it away, I turned my monitors off, and I had nothing that would ever, um, you know, distract me from that very important one-on-one meeting. And you absolutely must never, ever, I mean, unless there is a fire, cancel one of those meetings. Because again, especially if you don't meet with someone often, that will then say to them, well, I'm really not that important. And these are all little cues, little social cues that people just don't realize. And again, no one, we know everyone is trying to do their best. Exactly. And we exactly. really do know that everyone is busy. So I, I don't, you know, I don't mean to sound, uh, you know, like these things. I'm not trying to slight anyone, but these are just important things. If you look at the perspective from the employee's view, this is, this is important to them. It's a big deal to sit down with the owner or sit down with their manager. They really value and appreciate that time. And so give them your undivided attention.
0: Yeah. I mean, and also not to mention everything that you're saying are just good life lessons as well, right? As you're explaining this, all I can think of is my children. Um, I was going to say,
1: yeah, when I I was raising my daughter, I I had an absolute rule that the phone went away. And you know, we had a certain time. That's it. I don't care if the building was burning. We, you know, that was my time with my, you know, my daughter, and and that that served me well. So a lot of these lessons are, you know, kind of quasi parenting yeah. lessons as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and they're yeah. also they're just good human lessons, right? Good and also, lessons, like they are, they are. You know, from my perspective, being an operationally minded person, like if I can get something in a cadence then I'm getting an indication, right? Like a recurring meeting or whatever that may be. So then it's an automatic and you can kind of set and forget on some level where you're not having to orchestrate it. Like you were saying before. And I really adore the fact that you said, don't say I'm busy because you're exactly right. You're just perpetuating them to not even come to you. It's true.
1: Bill Gates said saying, I think he said it this year, saying I'm busy is the new stupid, like just don't don't go there because it's very offensive to people. Um, And again, you know, they they need us, we have to set the example. Yeah. Um, and when it's an emergency, we have to be available. And like right. you said to your point, just schedule all of that yeah, and then forget exactly. and then about forget it. it. <laughs> because Until you, you need know to how, be there. You know how life goes. You, you know, in the back of your mind, you keep saying, Oh, I've got it, I've got to meet with so and so, I've got to meet with so and so. All of a sudden, two, three weeks could go by. You yeah. haven't met with so and so. You have to do that. So in my book, I talk about a variety of different ways. I used to sometimes have after hours where I would just open right. my door after after hours, you know, at five thirty, I would stay in my office for a couple of hours and, you know, just do my thing. And if anyone ever needed me, come on in and sit down and talk right. with me. You right. know, even if you just wanted to run something by me, say hello, ask me a question. That's what I'm here for. So yeah. I tried to make myself available a lot, but I also obviously had to have structured time for, you know, my work that I had to do.
0: Right. Right. And I think what you're, what you're describing, and I think, especially right now, I've heard from a lot of kind of middle manager, middle managers, oh my goodness, can't talk about kind of that, that load from both sides, right? Around like they're dealing with their own personal. And I mean, this is leaders, entrepreneurs, anyone who kind of has a a leader, leadership role um, about dealing with their own stuff. Plus the pressure from above, plus the pressure from below. I mean, how yes. how do you recommend people deal with that and not say I'm busy, right? Because it's not again, it's not about they want to shut it down. It's that probably overwhelmed, or Absolutely. so many other things, right? I think I think almost everyone yeah. is overwhelmed. Agreed. Me too. And
1: again, I think the best thing that you can really do is, um, you know, if you have a team or you have a staff. Um, talk with them about, you know, again, I think it's okay to be honest and say, yes. you know yes. what, I am really feeling overwhelmed. And I want to make sure that I don't miss an opportunity to speak with you or I don't ever want you to think that I'm too busy for me to be able to, you know, answer questions. So I think it's okay to just sit down and say, yes. let's look at these, you know, issues that that we're having and, and all, you know, coming from one side and coming from the other. And let's figure out how we can tackle them best. Maybe some of them together, maybe as a middle manager, you delegate some of those responsibilities to other people Um, and and really kind of just have an honest conversation, because I think that's the only way we're really going to get, you know, this stuff done. And people are afraid to be um, honest. You know, I think there's a lot of people who are afraid to say, um, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed, like I, I need help. You know, everybody, a lot of people really want to try to do it themselves. So, you know, let technology help you talk to your team, split things up. I mean, people are always willing to take on more work. It's, it's really amazing. I did not learn that until kind of, you know, in the middle of my, um, you know, my career when I owned my first company. But you know what? They would rather have you um, ask them for, to take on more help than for you to go out and hire someone who is going to be a terrible fit for the company. This is right. something I talk right. about a lot. You know, really, it's okay. They will help you temporarily while you take the time to go out yes. and really find yes. a great hire. Don't right. rush if, to hire. But I would
0: assume that's if the communication cadence is there, because you have to have the communication. That's cadence. that's the key Absolutely. right there, right? When it yes. feels like the hire should have happened three months ago, but nobody thinks should like nobody thinks their boss is doing anything, and they're just drowning in silence, and all of those kinds of things where the communication has been shut down. That's Therefore, the you know, you end up. Hiring just to hire, to get a body, like a warm body in a oh, seat, yeah. which and is awful. The <laughs>
1: biggest, biggest mistake that you can make. But it's true. You have to let them know what's going on behind the scenes because they might not know. Yeah. And you don't, you know, I always say that if you don't tell your staff what you're doing and what's going on, um, they will be happy to make up their own story. <laughs> and that's, yeah. guess what? I always say you need to control the narrative or exactly. your staff will. And so this is why we have to get in front of the, you know, in front of the messaging and really be honest and just, you know, have a little weekly town hall, um, you know, get people together once a week and, you know, have lunch and just whatever, you know, your structure is at your business, figure out ways to communicate, send out a little video snippet if you need to, that's okay. You could make it fun. You could do, you know, Tuesday talks or whatever you want to do, but communicate to your people. And now is a time where you really want to over communicate. You yeah. have to stay in front yeah. of everything that's going on. The right. Things which, are changing daily.
0: Yeah, which is exhausting when you're already burnt, right? Know. Yeah. And I, yep. it like is. what we're saying, I want to, I want to out what we're saying. None of it is easy. No. <laughs> right? It's like not. some of the little things, like they would seem simple maybe in a non COVID time when things aren't changing on the daily, especially from an HR perspective. But, you know, I think for those people who, but what you just said, would actually give the grace and space to be struggling while managing a team and while setting expectations, because it's not just about keeping the lines of communication open, it's about the authentic level of communicating, correct?
1: Absolutely. And here's another message that I would tell leaders. We used to talk about this a lot in my company. Um, A lot of our directors used to do a lot of their work at night. And so when they did their work at night, guess what? They would then email the staff at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. What does that do to the staff? That's alarming to them. That makes them feel that they must respond. Now they're working at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. So I would tell you that you have to really uh, set expectations and not send out work to your people at those times. So again, use technology to your advantage. Put all those emails in put them in some sort of a format where you can auto send them at, you know, eight in yep. the morning or eight thirty. but you really have to remember. And I think it's really about kind of the operational reality yeah. of yourself and your people. You really have to understand and look from the other side as well. And yeah. think about how everything you do is going to be perceived. I think that's right. really important and received, you know, and different received. people, yes. Um, require different things. I had an employee who worked with me for uh, probably 17 years. She was absolutely delightful, but she had a very, very difficult time with, uh, with any constructive criticism. And so what I used to ask her is, may I offer a suggestion, something that I think will help you with your work? Right. And, and that made her feel so good because it, it put her at ease that I wasn't in any way trying to offend her, or upset her. So you really have to kind of know your audience. And I think that's really important. Some people, you can just, you know, be very direct and they have no problem. Other people, they they need to work in different ways. And you have to figure out how to, you know, how to source that from them and, and work with what they need.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think essentially what you're somewhat describing is, you know what i like to call it kind of like the what's in it for them factor whereas a lot Correct. of manage a lot of managers will do it they'll manage according to themselves versus looking at their employees and saying well what's Correct. in it for that employee why are they showing up is it just for the paycheck is what's going on in their lives you know right and once right. and i mean that's just good marketing advice as well absolutely yeah um, you know understanding who's on the other side of your transaction or your message or whatever that Correct. Um, communication versus, you know, information, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to get it so it's digested. So, I mean, what are you you telling companies right now? Because it is changing every single day. And entrepreneurs especially, we pivot like, I don't know, every five seconds, I feel
1: like. Absolutely. Well, the first thing I'm telling companies right now is that they have to stop doing things the way that they used to do them. And when I say that, it starts right from engaging talent. So we all know there's, I think every company is hiring. I think every company is looking for talent. You can't go anywhere and see help wanted signs. I mean, there's ads everywhere. LinkedIn is blowing up with jobs. And again, you just said before, what's in it for me? Why is it every time someone puts up a job post about, let's say about 85, 90% of the time, all they do is put up a post that's all about what they need?
0: I'm laughing yeah. over here because it's so true. i not
1: going to attract. Yeah, it's, it's not marketing. marketing. You're looking for. So I talk about in my book, I talk about the him, not the, ah, but the H <laughs> Y M N, which is the hook, your why the mission, and then the non-negotiables. Yeah. And when you write a job posting and from the moment you want to engage talent to your firm, you have to start with them. It's all about them, yeah. not about yeah. you. Don't use your company jargon. Don't write a job post that's 87 pages long. Don't put in every single thing. Must have, must have, must have, must have. You have to really talk about why someone would want to work in my company. You know, what's the, what's the why? What's the hook? Um, what's the mission of the company, because as we talked about before, young people want to get behind a brand. And then you can talk about some of the absolute non-negotiables and then have that interview. And when you have that interview, that's the time where you can start unpacking all of their background and all of the things that you need and all the softwares and all that good stuff. But this is the biggest problem with companies. Two things that I see. Number one, the way they go out to market to get to get talent, to attract talent. And then number two, they all say that they're desperate, they're dying, they they need people. And then they have 17 interviews before they attempt to hire the person who's oh already God. been hired three and a half weeks ago. I'm dying. It's exactly unbelievable. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, in a competitive market, folks, like right. cut the red tape. I mean, again, exactly. operational excellence, friends, like just streamline it. And I get it. Again, not as easy as we're saying, like you could just do it tomorrow. But there are Correct. some things you probably could do tomorrow, folks, right? There are. There <laughs> are. Managers
1: could team up on interviews, yeah. you could have an entire two week blocked out for calendar interviews and meetings. Yeah. again, it's not easy, absolutely no, not. But, but here's what's gonna happen, guys. If you don't figure out how to manage this process better, I say 10 touches or less when you're actually trying to engage a potential candidate. So don't have a four page online application, yeah. literally ask five questions, get them engaged, have a compelling job posting, bring them in, get them in your interview cycle and meet with them quickly. And if you really um, you know, know that you wanna hire and you're ready to hire, then meet three or four qualified people and make that hire and then be smart enough to take all of that great talent that you engaged and put them in a candidate pipeline for future hiring. So you don't have your back against That's the funny. wall the next time that you have to hire this is what everybody does they panic oh my gosh we have put, we have all these openings what are we going to do they hire a couple of people they go okay we're good they throw the whole process out they don't talk to any of the people that they that they actually met with ever again and then they start all over again when they have another opening yep. and it's just not a good recipe For hiring, it's not a good thing for their social branding and for their reputation, which is really what kind of gets, you know,
0: tarnished over time. Right. Right. I'm, I'm cracking up at everything that you say right now, just cause I've I know, and so I know
1: it's that. not easy. I know no, it's and not, again, I we, like we sound like, you know, yeah. I get it. I get it. I know these large companies, especially it's very, very difficult. Um, you know, we talk about this so much though, because sometimes we're our own worst enemy worst yes, enemies. And I think that's, you know, I think right now it's all about, um, simplicity. Mm-hmm. Everything should be simple, make it as simple as possible. And then bring in loads and loads of great talent, get them excited about your brand and hire them, get them hired.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's almost like you need your marketing team to be working on. To you be do. really fully working on your recruiting, right? I mean, I should a big fan be of, involved. They yeah, about really internal, yes. internal and external clients, right? Maybe that's my client service background, right? Everyone's yes. a client, right? Everyone's so a client. Why I agree with what you're saying around like why are these job postings, like you need to bring. It's very kind of I guess old school. You need to bring X set of skills here, but then we also know that narrows out the pool significantly, especially from from what I know of women who know if they don't check all those things on the list, then they, they don't qualify in their minds, right? But, you know, I'm assuming that's ruling out some really great DI hires and some amazing people too. Oh, they are. They absolutely are. And then I,
1: I believe that many of these large companies have these algorithms that are built in that screen out a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. candidates. And, you know, I just don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Now, again, I'm not specifically versed in hiring for a large company. So, you know, I can't speak to that, but I do know that all of these companies, you know, these large companies have two and three and four and 500 openings. So clearly something needs to be looked at. And I think, you know, to your point, which is such a great one, you know, we married marketing and sales together at my company. And that was the single best thing we ever did. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't compete. They should be married Mm -hmm. together because when you put sales and marketing together, it's like magic happens.
0: It really is. Because it's the right and the left side of the brain on some levels, right? Like it's the creativity, as long as there's an equal, like you said, as long as they're together and they're not competing and they're not, and they have an equal appreciation of both sides, you know, then, well, number one, that's just a recipe for good company. And number two, you know, you get, you get people's top performances out of them with, with that. And, and to your point, like if we are bringing it back down to even kind of the entrepreneurial folks here who, you know, maybe have 10 employees. It's even more important to thoroughly screen your folks because one bad employee or one mismatch on your value set, right? Have you seen instances of that?
1: Absolutely. So in my book, I talk about, again, it's a play on construction and business. And I talk about remediate the rot, which I know that sounds horrible, but here's the thing. All you need is one negative detractor in your business to right. take down the whole business. Yep. And, and you absolutely can't afford to have it. You cannot keep a person like that. I will tell you the moment you have someone in your company like that, I will tell you to absolutely terminate that person. Move them out of your company, okay. figure out what else they, you know, where they can free them up to go work elsewhere. Because every time you do that, if you allow a negative detractor to remain in your business, you slowly will lower the bar. at your company, and then one day you'll turn around and say, what happened? And I tell you, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, And I know it's a very emotional thing to do. So I will tell you, I don't say this lightly. I know because I actually lived through it. And this is where a board or a team of mentors or even a single mentor can really help you realize that you have to make these difficult emotional decisions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it is your company, right. Especially for the entrepreneur company, your rules. Yeah. Your company, your rules. And I think sometimes that's, that's hard, especially when you're growing to know when when the rules of the game change, the rules of the hiring changes, your needs change, all sorts of things. You know, and I think it's an afterthought to kind of keep your ear to the ground to that level of, you know, just say toxicity on some levels. Absolutely. And sometimes the person's not intending to be that, but it could be the, the chapter of their life that they're in. It could be a lot of different things, but to your point that will take it down as quick as a bad review will externally. It, um, will.
1: it will. And again, there's ways to do that. When I say terminate that employee, yeah. obviously you go through the process. You sit right. down with them. Right. You find out what's going on. You find out what the issue or issues are. Perhaps you can fix those issues. Perhaps yeah. you can move that employee into a different you know, position, which will then get them culturally aligned with the business. But if you can't, and you simply just have a bad apple, then guess what? You have got to get that person. You owe it to all of your other wonderful, culturally aligned employees. You owe it to them to get that person out of your business. And I will tell you, one of the hardest decisions I ever made many, many years ago, we had a remarkably talented salesperson. And I will tell you, he was the most talented salesperson that we ever had in the history of our company. So 31 years, he was the best of the best. Yeah. But I have to be honest with you, he was not culturally aligned, and he really was a, like a cancer. And I, we had to terminate his employment, and it was a very, very difficult decision. But what it was doing was it was affecting at least 10 or 15 other people in my company. And so mm. you really have to look at that and say, okay, what's more important? You know, the revenue that he's bringing in, or am I going to tolerate You know, this person who is not culturally aligned, he does not follow the values of our company. He does not, you know, he does not embrace the values. We have to, we have to have him go. And you know what? It's a terrifying decision as an owner, because you're so afraid that you're going to lose revenue. It's so upsetting. The business can't take it. Guess what? The business was just fine. We didn't lose any revenue. And, and, and he moved on and found another position that was better for him. And we were fine and we thrived and we hired another person. So it's okay, um, you know, when you have to make those decisions, you just have to, you have to make them.
0: Yeah. And they're, and like you said, they're, they're not easy, but I think it's also, builds a better case for your upstream, (laughs) like you know, interviewing and aligning, making sure they're aligned with values and getting to know the person before they walk in, you know, any, I see it a lot of the times in technical positions, right? Like where it's, well, can they code? Can they, this, that's all we care about. And I'm like, is that really all you care about? Mm -hmm. Because like you just described one bad coder, he can code all day long, but he's corroding the entire team is a completely different story. Um Correct. You know, so as we're kind of wrapping some things up here, can you just kind of give us, you've given us so much information throughout this, but I think for, for those business owners right now who are exhausted, who are, you know, know their people are exhausted, you know, what, mm-hmm. what are you, what kind of little bits of advice could you give to them on the resilience level? Really?
1: Sure. Well, the first thing that I would tell business owners is you're no good unless you take care of yourself first. Yes. And I mean that sincerely. And I, I, you know, and I'm a hard charger and not everyone necessarily agrees with that. However, In all my years of business, I always took care of myself first. So I was always the person who would get up early in the morning and and do a workout because I needed that for me. And it gave me really, you know, mental clarity and rejuvenated me. Um, And I found different ways to step out of the business, which I think is really, really healthy to be able to work on the business. So sometimes for a business owner, you're so immersed in the weeds, you really don't get the clarity that you need to make the proper decisions. So I would tell business owners, don't be afraid to step away from your business, even for a little period, even for an hour, go for a walk, go jump on a treadmill, sit in your office and turn off all your technology and just take some time to kind of marinate on what's going on with the business with you. And then it will you'll you'll really find that clarity that you need. Number two, I would definitely say that you have to communicate with your employees. You have to talk with your people. You have to be a leader who's courageous, who will get out in front of everything and really communicate and, and, and give you know, the messaging that you want all of your employees to hear. That's really important. And I always tell people, you know what? Walk around a little bit. Take a look at your employees. Now, again, you might not be able to because you literally might be on Zoom, but listen, I see you, you see me. Yeah. Look at your people. If yeah, they look exactly. painful, if yeah. they look like they're melting, take the time to pull them aside and find out what it is that they need and give them what they need. You should be able to see a lot in someone's face and yeah. their eyes. I was always able to do that. I know some people can't do that quite as well as I could. I can, but again, just take the time to look around and see yeah. what's going on and see what they need. Ask questions and really, really make sure that you're talking to your people. That's most important mm-hmm. right now. Find out yeah. what they need.
0: Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is I think people think, well, I'm so depleted. I can't do that. But what you don't realize, and this is probably the coaching consultant person in me is that mm-hmm. the more you ask people what they need, the more you realize what you need <laughs> as a manager a, and as a, a leader, great point. you know, so, you know, I've seen many, many, a manager asking their people. And then all of a sudden the light bulb goes off, whether it was just kind Mm -hmm. of like a good brainstorming session. But, you know, I really enjoyed what you just said around, like, look at your people. Like, I mean, come on folks. Like some of these things, like if you have like a working parent on the other side of the zoom with a kid on one side and whatever else is going on, like, there is 0% chance that they're, you know, ready to perform at their highest level. Like Absolutely. just take the five seconds to ask, you know, into a whole space for,
1: right? Yes. Yeah. People need to know that um, they have a safe space. And, and one of yes. the biggest things that's, you know, that people need to know is that they have a, a, a trusting environment. You know, that they can really trust in you. If you say, what's going on? What can I do? How can I help? That you're going to be an active listener and really help them overcome whatever challenges are going on. You know, we can there's so many of our jobs where we don't necessarily have to do them on a, you know, at a particular time or on a certain day. So if you see one of your employees is literally collapsing inside, that's where you can say to them, listen, you know what? I can see you're having a tough time. Why don't you just take tomorrow off? We'll pick this back up on Monday and you know what? Take a three-day weekend, rejuvenate, maybe send them a little something. I mean, it really is about being thoughtful and considerate, and I think that so many people think that employees leave because of money. It's, no. it's not the case Never at right. all. No. people want to be appreciated. They want you to have, you know, you they they want gratitude. Um, these are all things that I think we have to we have to really pay attention to, especially now.
0: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's it's funny I hear that a lot around like oh the money thing, and I'm like. Now I had many managers, many managers in my day who thought I was making the money, and I'm like the least money person. Um, you know when it comes to that sort of thing, but and that you know you make a good point around kind of that holding the space. Or I mean, I'm doing the Dare to Lead program right now, the building the container, right for those types of conversations, giving people permission to actually say I'm exhausted, so that others who probably like you said earlier want to rally around them and wouldn't mind taking on the help as long as there's humans involved would do so. So Absolutely. it's kind of this 360 approach where you build this container and then you know you build your teams based on that like based on your values your MVPs like you said, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I love this conversation. Um, just because it keeps the people in it. And I think it's very needed right now. So thank you. Number one, Um, you, you have some great materials and great things. So tell people where they can find you and learn more and take advantage of your offers and things.
1: Sure. Absolutely. So um, our website is culpiohr.com, and uh, I can be reached through the website. We're readily available. We've got, we've got a couple of great giveaways. Uh, please go in uh, into our website and you will, uh, you'll find them under resources. And um, again, we'd love to help. Uh, you know, we'd lo- I've been doing coaching with a lot of small businesses as well. So uh, whatever we can do to help, we are here to help and help you uh, build a solid foundation so you can grow your business
0: Yeah. And folks go get her book too, which I will also link. (laughs) Um, You're (laughs) welcome In, in the notes too. You know, this is just such an important conversation. And a lot of people, especially small business owners that don't have HR teams, you know, do need a you or do need the book or do need this podcast. So, you know, thank you again for joining me today, Leslie, this was a great conversation.
1: Thank you so much. It was absolutely a pleasure. Thank
0: you, Michelle. So Leslie says so many valuable things. In this episode, I feel like I just, I want to send this to every single manager, every single person working in a corporate role that I know, and, you know, just just managers of people, period, as well as the entrepreneurs, the solopreneurs out there, especially when she was talking about those MVPs, right? You always have to understand in your moment, in that moment, in that season, what your mission, your values, your purpose are. Because once you start to creep away from those, right, you can really lose sight of where you want to take your company. And then also, you know, some of the things that she said about managing employees, it doesn't take a lot. It does take some planning and it can be difficult to get the ball rolling on things. And, you know, especially for those of you who have lots of direct reports out there, you know, or an entire company beneath you, it can seem like a daunting task. But once you get things on your calendar or, you know, just leave yourself a reminder. I used to have a reminder in my calendar that would say, you know, check in with so-and-so. And And by check-in, that just means how are you? And actually mean it when you ask that question and be ready to listen. It doesn't need to be these huge gestures, but find out what's important to that employee and then deliver on it. That's it. And on next week's episode, I am bringing you Mia Moran, who is lovely. She's a coach. She's a bestselling author, and she's the host of the Plan Simple podcast. And we are giving you the gift of balance and breath. You know, this season, many of us, and I say us, and I truly do mean that, are dealing with, you know, the events, the, the gift buying, the tasks, and all of that stuff. And we forget, you know, that we can choose to take a breath or to remain on some level, you know, balanced as we go through this season and to really step into it and embrace it. So Mia is here to give us some tips on that. And she'll be with us next week. So you won't want to miss that. And if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, follow, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later.